Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Good morning. Welcome to uh, Harvest Community Church. Glad to see all your smiling faces that are here. If you want to open with me to Romans chapter 7. I'll read these verses for us that we're going to look at. Starting in verse 14. Paul wrote this. He said, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not, for I do, not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, If I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I do want to do what is right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this death, this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Well, that's a lot. That's a hard read, especially, you know, I wish I could say, um, I wish I was encouraged, but <laughs> this is large print and I have a hard time reading. My eyes are going fast. Uh, yesterday, I celebrated my 55th birthday. And uh, I know you're shocked because I look like about 35, right? Yeah. yeah, that's good. All right, you get an extra piece of pizza later. And uh, I had an amazing first thought of the morning. And, uh, you know, you wake up and you're 55 and you might be thinking, well, you probably have a thought like, I've lived more days than I have yet to live, and so what legacy do I want to leave behind? Uh, might have thought, maybe, well, today you're going to get together with the family, and how wonderful it is. And that would be some of the things that you would think that someone who just turned 55 would have as their first thought. How many of you have ever seen the movie Purge? If you raise your hand, it's in shame, yes? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the movie Purge is a horror thriller trilogy, I think, at this point. And uh, the premise of the movie is this, that once a year, uh, illegal actions 
are temporarily considered legal. So you can do whatever you want, uh, even murder. So if you kill somebody on this day of the purge, it's okay because it's that day. And that's the first thought that I had. Not murder, by the way, just to be clear. But my first thought was, I wonder, I wonder if God would give a birthday present every year and you could do whatever you want. All the things you could get away with that you can't seem to get away with. For the, and that was my first thought when I wake up in the morning. And, and I recognize when that happens that, that I have a sin problem. There's something in me uh, that's kind of like a little messed up even after all of these years of seeking God and following after his heart. And so uh, it's a little bit different of a tone from last week, but we will relate to last week eventually. And uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to share two things with us that I find in this passage that are actually pretty encouraging. And uh, the first one, although this is not encouraging, but in the end we'll get there, is I have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. Uh, Let's try and read verse 18 again. And it says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. See, I have a a sin problem. And and what's going on here, what Paul's saying is, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Uh, How many of you, like me, whether it's New Year's or on your birthday, you look at yourself and you go, this is a new year. (coughs) This is the year I'm going to be more disciplined in this. For some of us, I'm going to be more disciplined in my Bible reading. I really want to read my Bible more. I mean, I want to read a lot. Or you say to yourself, I really, (coughs) I really want to pray more this year. I mean, one of my goals is I just, I want to get before God and I want to pray for everybody and I want to pray for everything and I want to get more involved in it. And so there's this sort of excitement that we have that we want to do what is right, but like Paul, we end up not doing it. Is anyone else like that? I struggle with that constantly. This is the year I want to share my faith more. I'm 55, I want to spend more time uh, with my family. I'm, I'm 55, I want to do this. I'm 55, I want to do that. And, and yet I find all those desires are there. I want to express them. But there's something in me that kind of says, yeah, tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. There really is. Tomorrow. The next day. I'll take care of it then. And so what Paul's saying here is, as his struggle is, is that he wants to do what's right. But he has a hard time doing it. Even things like forgiveness. Because we recognize one thing, that that we want to be forgiving people. We want to experience forgiveness. And if you have an unforgiving spirit, you know that a lot of times it traps you more than it traps the person that who has offended or hurt you. And so you you want to to be free of that burden, even if it's just in a selfish way. You want to be free of it. You want to do what's right. Because you know the gospel says, as God has forgiven us, we should forgive others. We get that. We want to do that. But it's just so hard because we turn to God and we say, God, but you don't understand. Look what this person did to me. We want to do it, right? So I have a, can we, uh, show, now I'm going to, Kaylee did these for me, but I was the editor. So if these aren't, aren't good, it's because I, she rolled her eyes. I'm only saying that because I know that means that I did something wrong. But can we throw up that first one? Uh, I have a sin problem. The one with the math kind of thingy. Yeah. 
this, this, this is going to be a joke, but now it's kind of, you know. <laughs> it's a math joke. Any math teachers here? You're not a math teacher? Come on, you're a math. Don't be pretty. Arthur, isn't Arthur here? You're a math teacher, right? All right. Well, anyway, it's the picture of a triangle with angles. And uh, everyone knows, like, uh, sin, cosine, and tangent, right? I'm just kidding. Come take, really? Take it easy there, brother. I just, okay, so it's not that kind of sin. Uh, it's, it's a sin problem. I have a sin problem. There's something in my heart that, that really is pulled towards doing kind of what's wrong. Not kind of what's wrong, but let's do things wrong. And even in verse 19, Paul writes what he says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. So it's not only just the he wants to do good and he can't do it, but when he gets the opportunity to not do good, he says, right on, man, let me join the party. I'm in on all of this. And uh, I think to myself in, in a very similar way that I struggle with the same sort of thing. I, I mean, I sit there um, talking to someone this week, and they're explaining how as they struggle through their church, not this church because nobody struggles at this church. We're all happy. We're glad to be here. But they're talking about their struggle at their church, and as they're explaining their struggle, they just started sharing, and sometimes I just get envious. I get envious of other people who are moving up the ladder and becoming leaders in Bible studies and small groups and all that kind of stuff. And I'm still left behind. And it drives me. And I thought when, when that person said that, I, I said, man, I feel the same way. I sometimes look at other pastors who do things and, uh, and they can be a mess. And everybody knows that they're a mess and they're making mistakes. And yet their church is growing by leaps and bounds. And I sit there and I think to myself, why can't I ever be like that? I'm trying my best to walk the straight and narrow, and yeah, I struggle with stuff in my heart. But these guys, man, people look at it and go, that's wrong, and then you're still blessing them. And so there's this real sense of envy. I don't want to be envious, but I am envious. And I get jealous because I think to myself, God, why not me? It would be just nice for a little while to just have this fruitful ministry that everybody's just falling on the ground and going, oh, we want God, we want God. That would be just so awesome. And so that envy grows, and then it turns into anger. Because you get angry because you think, how is it that we talk so much about doing what is right in God's eyes, we try to do it, and those guys that really don't even care about stuff like that seem to be getting blessed over and over and over again. And so when sin gets its opportunity to show itself, what do I do? I go, oh, man, I want to join in. I have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. So Paul here is talking about this sin problem that he has. Now, the context of all this is he's been talking about the law, and he's saying is the... Is the law good or not? And he's trying to say the law is good. The problem is that we all have a sin problem. And the struggle that we have with the sin problem is because this law takes care of us. And so go back to verse 14, and I want to determine what the problem really is here. In verse 14, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold under sin. Now, here's a key distinction that I want us to catch. When Paul says that he is sold under sin, he's not saying, I'm sold under anger. I'm not sold under envy. He's not, he's not talking about a specific sin. He's talking about something that is natural to me, that comes by nature. And, and if you look at the book of Romans, the first few chapters, there's the mention of the word sins. Those are the specific actions that Paul's talking about. But here, as you get into the later chapters, he says there's a sin problem. The sin problem, there's, there's something in our nature, there's something in us that is combative. There's something in us that is at war with God's law. We don't like God's law. God's law restrains us. It keeps us from doing things that we want to do. 
And so we fight against that in our nature, in our sinful nature that keeps saying, listen, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what God wants us to do. And, and theologically and scholarship-wise, there's a big argument about spiritual transformation. Is Paul talking about someone who's not a Christian in this past or someone who is? All I can say is from my personal experience, this is the struggle that I go through. Even after becoming a follower of Jesus, even after surrendering my life to him and saying, God, I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you. I'm still stuck in this war that rages within me that wants to exert itself and say, just do what you want to do. So much so that when I wake up on my 55th birthday, the first thing I think is, man, I wish I just had one free day to sin like crazy so I could purge it from my system. And if you know anything about sin, right? Sin kills. And the crazy thing about when sin kills, it says just a little bit is okay. It's all right. You'll be fine. And then we get trapped. And it becomes ingrained even deeper in this sin nature that still is there somehow, some way, some shape, some form, that we have to fight it. And Paul here is, is, is struggling in the midst of this. And he's saying, listen, I, I, want, I want to get rid of this part of me that doesn't want God. And I want to experience God in such a way that it it allows me to be free to actually live life like I'm supposed to. And so I think here, in a sense, what we see is that Paul's very frustrated. He's frustrated. He wants to do what is right. Maybe it's study the scripture more. Maybe it's, it's... it's pray more. Maybe it's share more. I don't, I don't know how much more he could share, but maybe there's, but there's stuff that he wants to do that's right. But he finds that when he's got that opportunity, he wants to do something else. And he finds that when wrong comes along, rather than saying, I should do what God wants me to do, he finds that he's off doing something else. And I think, like as I shared last week, as I struggled through my depression, one of the things about me, and this is my experience, this is not your experience, and I want to clarify this. Because some people, when they go through depression, what they experience is someone who has sinned against them. Like if you've been physically abused or emotionally abused um, or sexually abused by someone, that's not a sin on your part. It's something that's committed against you. And if you, you slip into depression to that, it's not you dealing with sin. But I can tell you that in my experience, my personal experience, some of my depression was based on not only sin that I committed, but sin that I wanted to hold on to. And so when we get that chance and that opportunity to hold on to, because now I have an excuse. I'm experiencing depression. I don't have this. This is my experience, not everybody's. Listen carefully. I wanted to hold on to it. I didn't want to be forgiving. I didn't want to raise my game a little bit more because I'm struggling through that. And as I struggled, and that's, that's, that's the kind of like the... The weird part of it all is that as you're working through it and you're wanting to follow God, for me, a lot of times God would say, here, this is what I want you to do. And I said, boy, that's really, that sounds great, God. I'm excited. I want to get into that. And then when the time comes to actually execute, it's like, I don't know. I want to hold on to it just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. And so there's this frustration that grows within my own heart that says, what is wrong with you? And I don't know. How many of you guys talk to yourselves? Okay, you all should raise your hands. We all talk to ourselves. I just wanted to see if you wanted to be honest. I'm always talking to myself, and I have this cycle in my head that's like this. If I'm confronted by some sort of temptation or sin, and I'm sitting there and I think, wow, man, that would be really cool, really cool to experience that, see what it's like, do that. And uh, I may dwell on that a little bit and try to figure out little strategies on how to work through things. And then it's like the word of God comes out of nowhere and says, that is so wrong. 
And, and I have to come back to what the Word of God says and to process and work through that to get to a place where I could actually say, now I'm trying and I'm going to submit to what God wants me to do. It'd be like anxiousness. So when I experienced anxiety in the midst of my depression, I would sit there and I would be anxious and I would be afraid. I would be afraid of the past. I would be afraid for my family. I'd be afraid of the future. I'd be afraid of all of these things. And then suddenly you hear the words, do not be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so the struggle in my heart is, you know, it's, it's just easier to be anxious than it is to surrender, isn't it? Because if you think about it, when you're anxious, at least you're thinking, if you surrender to God, you've got to trust God. And sometimes he's not like in a hurry like we are, and that's really hard for me. Because it's like, God, here's the problem. Do you not see the problem? I am struggling with the problem. Let's have the answer. And it teaches me nothing about faith. And so there's this sinful part of me that just wants things my way. I want to do what God wants me to do. And then as soon as I say that, you know what thought comes to mind? Only because I want people to recognize and say, wow, you're so spiritual. Wow, you're such a, such a godly man. Wonderful pastor. You know, that's what I, come on now, go ahead. Nobody? You know what I mean? Because I have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. And so let's go down to verse 24 and, and let's experience Paul's frustration. I, 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 I don't know how you bring it to life. I, didn't, I wasn't there when he wrote it, but I can imagine he's a wretched man that I am. Wretched. I'm, I'm just disgusted. I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. Wretched man that I am. This is horrible. This is, this is terrible. Who will deliver me? Who will set me free from this body of death? I am stuck. I got nowhere to go. Because Paul recognizes that he has a sin problem. I'm recognizing that I have a sin problem. And I hope that all of us recognize we have a sin problem because Paul's message doesn't stop here. If it stops here, and this is the one thing that a lot of people will say, following Jesus is not fun because we have to recognize our weakness. We have to recognize our sin problem. My answer is that's okay because it is there. It's real. And if we can get to that place where we can see that it's real, then the salvation that Christ provides becomes even that much more excellent. Because what does he say in verse 25? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm free. I have a sin problem. I'm not afraid to admit it because that's the part of the process of coming to Christ. I have a sin problem. So Paul hears this. I am wretched. I'm wrecked. I'm a mess. I got nothing. I don't want God. I want what I want. But he gets to this place and he says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You're free. You're not free to sin. You're freed from sin. It's all, everything that you have done has been taken care of by Christ in the cross. Here's how it works. When uh, I had my uh, stroke, which is almost like, what, two and a half years ago now? And I remember getting the hospital bill. And uh, it's a press probably what led to the heart attack six months later. I saw the hospital bill and I said, oh my goodness, how am I going to pay for this? I was like, I am so broke. I can't do this. There's no way. And that's that little thing that they send you first, you know what I mean? This is not a bill, you know? Okay, that's really helpful. It wasn't helpful. 
I'm freaking out. I'm thinking we're going to lose the house. We're going to have to live in an apartment, all these horrible things. And then I got the real bill, and it was significantly less. Woo! You know what I mean? And that's what Paul is like. I am a mess. I'm in a bad spot. And I'm thinking, I'm in a bad spot financially. But then when you get the real truth that comes across, and this is what you owe, in a sense, you owe nothing. Y'all have a sin problem. There's not a person here that doesn't. But you have a Savior. That's the second thing. There is a Savior. There's a solution. So do we have the solution thing up there? It's not this kind of solution. Maybe. Maybe not. Nope, that's the purge. That's the movie. Don't see that movie. There's a solution. Not that kind of solution. It's not a chemical thing. You can't... Any chemists? Any chemistry teachers? Okay, at least I got that one right, not sin. I knew it was signed, by the way, just in case. But there is a solution, and the solution is... See that? Isn't that a cool puzzle piece? I think that's where Kaylee was like, dude, this is messed up, man, because your pixels are off. And yes, they are. My pixels are off. So before we get to staff meeting, I'm just admitting my pixels were off. Okay. Um, yeah, but isn't that kind of neat? Like, it's got the problem there, and then there's a solution. You have a solution to the problem. The solution is that in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. You are free. You are free. And he goes on in verse 2, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Let me illustrate this. And I learned this a couple weeks ago from... Watchman Knee, it was a good, a good illustration, shared it in, in, in the youth group. Uh, in my hand, I have a uh, Kleenex, unused, of course, so that you don't freak out. And uh, what do you think will happen when I drop this Kleenex? You want to guess? You're a consultant. <laughs> you have earned your keep. The power of gravity, there is a power that when something happens, it is naturally going to drop. That's the power of gravity. No matter, throw something up, what goes up comes down, right? Isn't that what the saying is? However, there's a new sheriff in town, and the new sheriff's name is Alyssa. So if I drop this Kleenex, can you do this? Does it hit the floor? No, it doesn't. Why not? And you can, you can keep that as a souvenir. Hang it up in your wall. No, 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 don't put it up. <laughs> you can't put it on the floor. <laughs> Although gravity, right? It's kind of like a Christian sometimes when we go, oh, yeah, whatever. That's just an illustration. Leave me alone. And we drop it on the floor. Boom, we're back to where we were this morning. But the point here would be this. There's a new sheriff in town. Naturally, drop the Kleenex. Boom, it's going to hit the ground. Naturally, in our sinful nature, when we are presented with the opportunity to sin, we're going to. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. That's what nature dictates. But what Paul here is saying, there is a new nature. There's a new sheriff. There's a new power. The most powerful person in the world right now to that piece of Kleenex is Alyssa. She is that Kleenex's Christ that has come in and has taken it from being on the floor and being a piece of garbage to something that can be used in the future. See, what Paul's saying here is, listen... Listen, please listen to me. We have a sin problem, but there is a solution, and the solution is found in Jesus Christ. So that no matter how bad you are, 
If you would but come to him, you will find that there really is no condemnation. And not only that, but there is freedom. You don't have to continue to live your life by the old nature, always giving in to sin. Because I think and I feel sometimes I'll never get victory over this. But Paul says you already have the victory over this. This new power, this new life, this new law that has been placed in you gives you the strength to be able to say, no, I don't want to do this. So that Bible reading plan and that praying that you want to do and that sharing of your faith that you want to do, you can do this. You don't have to throw up your hands and say, I have a sin problem and I quit. You can say, I can do this when I surrender. As I surrender to Christ, as I give my life to Christ, as I experience this no condemnation zone that Christ places me in when I become a child of God, that's the place where I can live. And when I live from that, I can live in freedom because this new power has set me free. Every one of us here has the opportunity and the ability to be free in Christ if we will but surrender to him. And so even though I recognize, even on my birthday, my first thought is towards sin. And the endorphins that get thrown off by thinking, wow, how neat that would be. And the realization is like how wrong that actually is. And what God really calls me to do, I can say that I'm free from that. I don't have to submit to that. I don't have to spend my whole day, my birthday, committing the sin that I might want to sin, to say the things that I want to say, to do the things that I want to do, where I can actually say, that's not really what I want. What I really want is freedom. To be free to live in Christ, to not experience the condemnation that I deserve because of his infinite mercy and grace to experience the freedom to actually be a blessing to people rather than to be a curse. Or not a blessing, depending on how you want to put that. So why do I talk about this? As I've already shared, the reason I'm talking about this is I really feel that in my own experience, as I work through the issue of depression, the idea for me, for me, let me be clear, for me, was that some of this stuff is about me. It's about my sin problem. It's not about my circumstances, because everyone has difficult circumstances. Even yesterday, as I was at the Willow Creek Care Center, and, and I listened to one of this woman who was sharing her story of the circumstances that God had brought her through. I listened to her story, and I said to myself, if I were in your shoes, lady, I would have quit a long time ago. But God continued to work. In so it's not about my circumstances. I recognize then it's something in my heart. I have this sin problem that I have got to continually fight against because it wages war within me. But Christ says, come to me. Rest in me. Let my power fill you. Let my power strengthen you. Let this new law that I have placed in you be the law that actually runs your life so that you can live in a freedom from sin instead of living in a freedom to sin. So how do we get there? Especially as we prepare for refocus, because refocus is this weekend. We're going to make an announcement later, but I want to encourage you to come Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Here's three things I think we need to do. And uh, I put up the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous thing. The 12 steps. This is only two of them. 
that's coming. It's got to be. It's got to be my. It's, it's something I do. I don't always do things right. But the first thing is to admit it. Admit I have a problem. If you're an alcoholic, you have to admit you have a problem. Um, I have never been to an AA meeting. I've seen a couple on TV. I don't know, even know if that's realistic or however you want to look at that. But I know the first thing how they introduce themselves is, my name is, they give their name, and I am an alcoholic. It is something they realize that they will struggle with for the rest of their lives. It's a difficult thing. Me, I, I would realize if I were supposed to, if we were going to have Sinners Anonymous, um, and I don't even know how sin is anonymous because God knows, but I would stand up and say, listen, my name is Frank and I'm a sinner. I have a sin problem. And that's the first thing that we have to do. That's what the first thing that we have to admit. God, I have a sin problem. There is, is something about sin that is so attractive to me, it's hard to give it up. And the second thing is the need for a higher power. But to just confess, I need a higher power. I need help. I was talking to my friend last Sunday. He came over to our house. Um, he's seeking God. He's seeking God. And one of the things that I tried to clearly present to him was, listen, his name is Bubba. He's a really nice guy. For all the youth group kids, I know you're all laughing because Bubba is a tuba city thing. But his name is Bubba, and, and I just kept on listening. Dude, it's, it's not about Bubba 2.0. Following Jesus is not being a better version of yourself. It's not being a better Bubba. It's not. It's not at all. It's about surrendering your life to God and saying, this is where I am at. I am a sinner. I do have a sin problem. But there is a Savior who is out there. And this Savior can actually set me free. And so I want to surrender myself to this higher power. And then not just surrender, but then to turn back. So the third thing we do is, is we turn back and we say, God, this is me. This is who I am. But this is who you have made me to be. This is who you are making me to be. You're making me all into the image of Jesus Christ. Your son, when I submit to your law, the very law that fights the other law that's within me and allows me the power to actually live for you. And so the lifting of my own depression, and this again is my experience, not somebody else's, is that part of that lifting came when I started to say, God, I am weak. God, I want to sit in this. I want to revel in this. I want to lay in this. I want to I sin in this. But this is wrong because this is not what you have called me to. And so for some of us, maybe not even a vast majority of us, the struggle that we have with depression is because, like me, I was stuck here. I was stuck. This is me. It may not be you, because, again, there are so many varieties of how this all works itself out. But to get to that place and say, God, set me free. And that's where the freedom came from. Because now I knew that I could come boldly, confidently to Christ with the recognition of this is really who I am. And to not hear him say, whoa, 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 what's going on there? That's a little too much for me. I can't handle that. But to hear him say, come. Come, my child. Come. Come. This is a, this is a no condemnation zone. Not because you're a great guy. Not because you're a pastor. Not because you've been doing this. Not because you've been doing that. But just because I love you. Come. Turn from that. It's killing you. It's not giving you life. And the recognition that God, you as a higher power, give life is what set me free. And so I want to encourage everyone today, whether you're experiencing difficult circumstances, you're experiencing difficult internal issues that are are dragging you down, 
I just want to encourage us to come to Christ. And it might be hard. And again, for some of you there, even the thought of turning to God is most difficult. Because the one thing the lady told me yesterday as I was listening to her story, she has two sons and one of them is a prodigal. And the reason he's a prodigal because his father, who was supposed to be a Christian, not only left the family, but took all the money that they had. And they've been living in poverty. Struggling through the years. Yeah, God has provided, but that's got to be a mess. It's not something you just shrug off and go, oh yeah, now I'm good. I understand that because what Paul is telling us is this is a constant conflict. How many of you that are following Christ for so many years have recognized that, wow, where did this come from, these thoughts? Because I used to deal with those thoughts when I was in high school. It's 40 years later and they've come back. Why is that? Because there's this constant struggle within us. This war within, as Paul points out, that struggle that wants to do what it wants to do rather than submitting to God. When Christ comes along and says, you can be free if you'll surrender. So wherever you are at, Christ is there. And will it be an easy road? No, it won't. It takes people years sometimes to get through some of the stuff that they have been put through. There might be people here today who are sitting there going, I don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's so dark right now. I can't go anywhere. I can't even move. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I want to beg you. I want to urge you. Every moment you remember to surrender. It's not wrong to admit and say, God, I don't even want to do this. Because that's really how you might feel. It's how I've felt. I really don't want to do this, God. I really like it. Because I'm really angry. Or I'm really this. And to know that he's there. And hopefully with the family of God to be there. Because my sense is that for some of us, as difficult as it is, we just feel alone. And I want to encourage you today and say that God has not left you. He's not forsaken you. It feels like that sometimes. But he's there. And hopefully he's there through his children. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.